This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Check this out. It is free. No, I'm serious. It's free, 100%. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor then distributes that podcast for you, and you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from that podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. We are back on Lauer After Hours with the man behind the Moss events, Eric Garcia, otherwise known as Uncle Scotchy. How are you? Doing great, man. Glad to be with you guys. Welcome, welcome. Um, so, uh, Eric, um, let's let's go around the horn. Let's uh, start with um, Mike, and then we'll go around, uh, and everybody can introduce themselves in their Twitter handles also. Awesome. So yeah, this is my grind fan account. Um, so tell me, you know, more about the the planning process. How you know many months before uh, the event, do you guys start planning it and, and sitting down? Um, yeah, we usually start that. It's pretty much for me to start. Dan just pretty much gives me the keys to it. Um, it kind of started uh, the, like the first one. Uh, we all got together. There was a thing called I don't know if you guys have heard of a uh, mining motel story. It's a, it's a really cool like organization. And what they do is uh, like an acting troupe. They kind of take over an old abandoned building that a lot of things happen in Miami historically back in the day. This first one happened in, um, on 8th Street at some old hotel by Ball and Chain. They used to, uh, used to keep all like the Negro uh, musicians and artists and stuff like that used to hang out there. And uh, uh, they recreate what happened by by uh putting on a play each room you go into basically to, to sum it up better there's live acting going on like some lady that's an alcoholic or a couple that's fighting or a jazz musician that's the promoter and you walk into each one and uh i i know the girls that put that on and also uh, dave and, and dan do and i invited dave he came it was my it was november 3rd so he came he invited dan and val to come in also for my birthday and we all went to that it was super cool something that people should check out about miami they're going to be doing more later on they did a couple though um then i was working at the windwood yard i was booking all the talent there and we went there and started drinking and then just dan's like we're trying to get into the, the business and we think that you know you're the guy that can can do it this is right after uh like I somehow I wound up getting the singer of Coldplay to do like a little impromptu thing at the at the, at the yard, and Dan was kind of like, "How's this fucking one guy just doing this stuff?" And I've been friends with Val for a long time, and I've known David for about 15 years as well. And uh, yeah, it just kind of came together like that. And so the planning generally started in the beginning. Dan was a lot more involved at first, as you know, he's busy. Uh, we used to meet a lot, and then after a while, after a couple of them. Yeah, just like no meetings, just start on it. And, you know, I trust you. I trust you to, to book the right bands. I trust you to put it together top to bottom. Angel and I would start kind of talking about creative stuff and what he would be doing. He has a lot of great ideas. And, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty stressful. I'm kind of on an island when I started. Because it's pretty much for me to secure the venue that I think is the right venue. Uh, secure the talent. Take all the ideas that people start throwing at me and put it together. And make sure to make it really, you know, people friendly. I was telling John, Dan, I wanted to charge more for the tickets. Uh, so we can only let a certain amount of people in, especially like at Blackbird, the first one. It's a tiny place. And uh, I'm like, you can't just charge $20. And Dan wanted to be a fucking man of the people, so I can only charge 20 But 
uh, yeah, it started like that. And uh, the first one went great at Blackbird. Uh, the second one was really rocky. I don't know if you guys, any of you guys went to the one in Fort Lauderdale at Revolution, um, but that was a little messy like that. I don't know if you remember the room that the domino tournament was in was a smaller room and then bands are playing in the big room. But I mean, but we had the damn uh, the drag queen and we had Poppy playing dominoes and everybody was playing and everybody wanted to be in that room. The whole Guillermo Mafia gang was all in there. Everybody was playing and it was kind of log jam. A piece of art got stolen actually that night and uh, it was a little junky and uh, we got a little shook from that and Dan's just like, look, you got to do better, you know, and put a lot of pressure on me and that's when we did the, the Winwood Yard one and that went really well for his birthday and as you know, even with the that David Sampson, uh, 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 the fuck you to Miami, that got press on uh, everything, which I thought was awesome. It was on, uh, it was everywhere. And uh, actually, I was going to do the one after that at a place called the Wharf. So I don't know if you guys know about the Wharf, but the owner actually was pissed about David Sampson doing that, and he pulled out, which is stupid as fuck. So I'm glad we didn't do it there. And then we wound up doing uh, the fourth one at uh, in Winwood at that at that last one, last Christmas time. So there's a lot, and there's a lot of pressure. That's my short answer. Hey, hey, Eric, hey. John here. Um, so you got in, how, how did you get involved with the, with the show before Moss or how, how did you, uh, did you know people or, or how did you? Well, I knew, well, I knew David for a long time. I've been friends with Valerie for a long time and I've been listening to the show for forever. So it just kind of, kind of came together when they reached out to me about, we all got together for my birthday and kind of, they've been thinking about doing something like that anyway. And I think they originally were going to have Roy do it. Um, they're going to do it. They wanted to do it the Clevelander, which would have been a no brainer, but the Clevelander didn't want it. So, which is weird. And so I just kind of, they said, do you think you can do it? I said, yeah, let's go. And uh, it's really hard because the rules kind of always change. And then Dan usually kind of lays back and I put it together. And then usually around with two to three weeks before the show, Dan and Val start coming in with it's like, how about if we do this? How about if we do that? I'm like, oh my God, I'm already have so many moving parts, you know? And uh, I think the last one, um, Valerie wanted uh, a bunch of dancers because we thought McGill was going to be there. So she wanted a bunch of dancers dressed up like different, like lions and tigers and shit running around. So I'm, next thing I know, I'm like, I'm calling people that I know that could be lions and tigers dancers. And, you know, I got to find a circus performer. I got to find a juggler. Okay. I'll just, I happen to have a juggler guy. So I did. Great. Great. I have, um, let me introduce um, Renee, the other, uh, one of the halves of the Guillermo Mafia you were talking about earlier. And uh, welcome, Renee. Man, John, I didn't even recognize you with that beard chopped down. Woo! Thanks for the intro. A yeah, corn no beard. No sweat. Um, who, wa- who wants to go next? Who's got another question for, for uh, Eric? Eric, um, I see some artwork behind you. Um, I'd like to know, um, you, you brought up uh, some other things, but uh, Levo Art, what kind of relationship do you have with him uh, compared to your relationship with Dan? I've known Lebo. I I lived in Miami. I'm born and raised in Miami, third generation. I moved away for eight years and to San Diego. And my mom got diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and I moved back uh, to Miami. And uh, uh, I just I'm been active in the music scene and stuff. So I know I started I know the Spam All Stars guys. I started hanging out with them while I was in, and then I wanted to put on an event. It was like a benefit. It's supposed to be for Alzheimer's and it turned into something else. And I reached out to him and he did a really cool uh, piece of art thing for me. I think I have it right here. Anyway, he kind of okay. did a, a piece a piece of me that he did and it was dropping instruments on people. It was really cool. And we just kind of stayed in contact after that. We're kind of like-minded and, and uh, you know, as, as it happens with people, we drift apart and then back together. And we know a lot of the same people. And then I was booking a place called The Stage uh, in Midtown. And he used to go there and do a lot of art, like while, live art while Swenlo was playing. And then I did a big event with Fishbone uh, uh, at Tobacco Road in the parking lot there. And he came and did live art for that. And we always stayed in contact and bust each other's balls every once in a while, text each other funny shit. Yeah, he's <laughs> hilarious. Nice. Very cool. Like I said earlier, I haven't been to an event yet, but when there will be a next one, I will be there. Yeah, we were planning to do it. I, I was shooting. I was already gearing up to do it, an outdoor event in the Grove, and uh, which would have been awesome. Now, this piece of art is interesting. So this Frankie G guy, also, I got to say, Valerie is kind of the last, the final say on the artists that are involved. Lebo wanted to curate it in the beginning, but he wanted, he didn't want to be 
you know, he's already a part of it. So he wanted to kind of bring up other local artists. Was that the same guy who did the, um, uh, the, yeah, the Masvidal uh, at the yeah. last event? Wow. That, I mean, he's really talented, that, that artist. I, that was, he so did that nice. like an, an hour or less even, I think. Him, his wife are super cool. He came running up to me at the end of the event. He handed me that just to thank me. And yeah, he was super cool. So uh, staying with the, um, with the Moss theme, um, were there, were there uh, anything, any acts or anything you wanted to put in and couldn't or anything you're looking forward to, to putting in? Well, maybe you don't want to divulge that. How about anything that you were uh, wanting to put in and, and couldn't? Um, no, I pretty much got what I wanted. The, the, the main thing, it was, it was supposed to be called Made in Miami at first. And actually, I, had that, I found the Gobo actually just today that, that uh, I don't know if you can see, you know, that the light's supposed to shoot through. And then at the last minute, some promoter asshole called his lawyer, lawyered up against Dan, and Dan wanted to pay thousand dollars in legal fees and to get out of it. And he actually showed up at the first event and met Dan and wanted to take a picture of him. Dan's like, "Are you serious right now?" I know. But uh, as far as artists that, that played or anything like that, I pretty much got who I wanted. I wanted to start kind of. They trusted me with it. I kind of started small. I mean, mind you, I have to keep Miami-based artists. So and showcase them. And my original idea really was to make it go around the country and be like Moss Miami in San Diego. I know he's got a lot of fans over there. Moss Miami everywhere. It doesn't have to be in Miami because we're just representing the best of Miami. We're just bringing it like a traveling, you know, like they did in New York, you know, for that show. But I got everybody I wanted. Real quick, because you touched on it, the Clevelander didn't want it. Like you said, I'm shocked. Like what's a, what's a reason why maybe? I don't. I, I think. I think probably the main reason. I don't know. You, you have to ask Roy that. Um, but I. I think. I think maybe because it had to be a ticketed show, and they wanted to keep it open to the public and their guests and things like that. I don't really know. I. I actually know uh, one of the owners of the Clevelander. I didn't discuss it with him, and he's a cool guy. And he's down for everything. He actually owned a place that I worked for in San Diego. So, uh, but yeah, I don't know why because. It would be a little small for it, but I think it would be perfect. Point, yeah, because they would probably lose all that revenue from people that weren't there for the event. But I'm yeah, sure they would places, have made it up. Yeah, places that don't. Yeah, they would have made it. I mean, places that don't do covers generally, like you know, like Winwood Yard. I had to really promise them I worked there, and I had to let them know, look, you're going to have 1,200 capacity here. Hey, so don't worry about that. Give us the door, you get the bar, and then those particulars are worked out. Right, but. Uh, but yeah, that was a cool event. Was Dan the first one at ESPN to do something, you know, a live um, kind of event like that? Uh, it's, it's, yeah, that was touchy at first, also because he wanted to keep it as separate as he could. He, he his main idea, he also wanted, he really wanted everybody, Chris, Billy, Roy. That's why he let Roy handle the art, uh, sales, and curation. He always tried to give them vehicles because he's like, look, I'm not going to be around here forever. You guys sell your brand, make it bigger. You know, uh, uh, he encouraged everybody to be involved. I think they were, they're, they're still trying to even figure out how. Um, and, but yeah, I think, I think it, then we had to be really careful. I remember I had to deal with Allison a lot on that because they couldn't talk about it on the national time, but they could talk about it in the local hour, but then they wanted kind of talking about it during the national time. So the whole thing was definitely, he was probably the first because nobody really knew how to do it. Hey, uh, hey, Eric, this is uh, Steak hey. Sauce. What's up, brother? Hey. Steak Sauce knows a thing or two about cool nicknames, and Uncle Scotchy is definitely a cool nickname. Can you uh, give me a little background on where that came from? Uh, that was kind of simple. I mean, I started, I have a band called Juke, and then I wanted to do, I started doing this one-man band thing. I play guitar and harmonica and the drums with my feet, and uh, I needed a cool nickname, and, you know, it's boring to say that's Eric Garcia. And then a buddy of mine in San Diego knows kind of how much I like the scotch. And he was joking around about Uncle Scotchy and it just it stuck from the, from, from the very beginning. I mean, if you open up the paper, you see Eric Garcia's playing, you see Uncle Scotchy's playing, where are you going to go? You're going to go see your uncle. You look like the type of dude who's a lot cooler than me, who enjoys a good, uh, good scotch. <laughs> well, I'm yeah, sitting here yeah. drinking vodka cranberries. <laughs> well, I got, I got a little of that Conor McGregor proper 12 in my hot, hot, on my hot body. So, uh, here we go. That's working for me. Hey, Eric, I, I, I'm, my brain's kind of come back together to me. And I was kind of curious, yeah. um, 
do you find that you enjoy music more when you're in a band or when like you're not in a band? Cause I know, and this might be kind of dependent on how successful you are, but um, I played music for a while and tried to be in a band. And I noticed that once I quit the band, music became like just so much more important to me. And it like, it actually meant more to me than when I was actually trying to play music. And I was kind of curious what your thoughts, if you, if that's a similar feeling you've had. Um, well, I've been kind of like around it. It's, it's, it's weird. I've, I've kind of, I'm on both sides of the fence on it too, because you know, I put on the events too, and I, I book clubs. So being yeah. rare to have an actual musician that actually, because it's usually kind of up against them kind of vibe. Yeah. So I have to put on different hats for those things. And then playing solo is totally different. It's, it's really great because I can do what I want, but it's just the only thing that still makes me really nervous. So then I, sometimes I think about, I've had this band for a while. We played a lot of festivals and done some cool stuff, but I start trying to think about quitting and then we play. And the thing is, I've had a lot of really good musicians in my band. And like the guys I have right now are all ninjas or monsters. And I always say, if I'm, if I'm, not the least talented person in my band is a fucking problem. Everybody needs to be better than me. So it's fun still, even though I bitch about it. And my ex-girlfriend used to just be like, why do you always bitch before you go to your gigs? And then you come back, well, I had an awesome time, you know? So it kind of turns into a job, but then shit, be saying drywall. Yeah. And what's the name of the, uh, of your band? Juke, J-U-K-E, Juke. We're on Spotify. Uh, all our music's free. Um, we should be putting out a lot more music, but we don't. We're kind of lazy like that. But that yeah. leads me to to another question: Is why is uh, all your music free? Why don't you um, try to sell it? Because I mean, now followers are currency in the music world. Um, if I could go on Spotify and listen to all the Led Zeppelin albums, and not pay any money, who the fuck am I to charge for my album? You know, it's, I would rather have followers. And then when other the more followers you have, you know, other promoters when they see your band your your currency is how many followers you have. So instead of trying to trick somebody into paying 10, 15 bucks for my music, go ahead and listen to it and follow. You know, that's way better. The, the, you know, the whole world's changed. Uh, not to, even before the COVID, but now. But once you also get those listeners, you can create some cool art, hat, t-shirt, and sell them to people that actually appreciate you for your music. And they like it. Like stuff. a true merch guy, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah you're right you're right i've been very very lazy about that and i'm, I'm very bad at self-promotion and the, the marketing end of it i haven't been very good at because people do bitch that we don't have hats we don't have shirts and uh uh we don't have all those fancy things because right now that's all bands can do to make money to sell the merch or do live streams which i've been doing some of those with tips virtual tips it's pretty sad like famous musicians are playing for tips in their house. Gilo, you know, he's a friend of mine. He's playing at his house and a, and a farm up there outside of Philly, basically for tips right now, you know? And it's crazy. Between, yeah. uh, you, you should get together with, uh, with Renee and Bruce. Between you guys, you form a, a brand powerhouse <laughs> and merch uh, extraordinaires. Yeah, that seems like uh, the path has uh, been laid, huh? I'd like to do that. Hats, man. Hats are in. Everybody loves a hat. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. You're right, you're right. <laughs> Who's Drake? And the Cody Drake, Calvary. Drake. Hey, uh, what's up, Eric? This is Drake. Um, <laughs> I run the uh, Cody Calvary account. Um, thanks for joining us. Um, so I have two questions for you. Um, one is, so I know you said you're third generation Miami um, growing up, so you definitely have your roots in, in Miami, in the Miami food life. Um, what's your, what's your favorite Miami, um, dish? Um, yeah, third generation Miami on my mom's side. I, I'm a Juban, which is a very Miami thing. My mother married one of those Cubans and then here I am. Um, and she was a little Jewish girl from Miami and, uh, and her mom was actually born in Key West. As far as food, I, I quit eating meat other than fish about five, six years ago. And uh, there's a place on the beach called Planta that I really, really like. And uh, that place is badass. Uh, so I'm kind of, I, I generally cook at home. Um, but yeah, Planta is kind of my spot and they make really good drinks. There's another place like that. I think it's 
called something like that. I don't know. They have a CBD cocktail that's pretty good. So prerequisite is if the place has good cocktails, I can generally find something to eat. <laughs> I hear you. And then my next next question is if, if you could collaborate with three any three musicians, who who would you want to collaborate with? past or present? Um all right, that's a good question. But definitely Gary Clark Jr. Um we got to open up for him at the Fillmore, that was awesome. And he and what made it really great was he was really, really cool and he hung out with us and he watched us play and we were talking about uh, uh, us maybe doing something together, uh, but you know how that goes. Uh, Gary Clark Jr., um, R.L. Burnside is dead. He's a kind of a blues guy from Mississippi, and he kind of changed the blues a lot because I mean we, we we don't play real traditional blues, so it's kind of it takes on a different form. So definitely R.L. Burnside, uh, Lil Walter, he's a harmonica player and died a long time ago. He basically got beat up by the cops and died. And um, Jack White. Yeah, Jack White. Yeah, fair enough. Thank you, man. I appreciate your answers. Hey, man, I appreciate your question. Yeah, what up, Eric? Uh, Renee here. Yeah. Um, how's Casey doing? She's good. A little ass of sleeping now. She, um, she did the eight weeks after her surgery that she wasn't allowed to run, which is tough for a little two-year-old pit bull. Right. But I think she's, she's still not right. Her leg's still kind of jacked. Oh, sweet lace is out. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah. I see that. Um, um, uh, yeah, she's. I don't know what's gonna happen. I gotta call the vet. She she's fine because she's tough as fuck and and uh, she keeps wanting to get after it. But I think she's not she's not right. I can't let her run like I did before. I can't take her on my skateboard and do all the shit I did with her before. So was it? It was the patella. Kneecap? Yeah, let's say right let's say the patella in her knee. Yeah, so that was tricky. So we have a chihuahua. We had a chihuahua. Uh, then they're prone for the luxating patella. Um, one of the guys, he, they did a surgery on our dog with like a screw that was too big for the Chihuahua to like yeah. line up, to line everything back up after carving out the, you know, the new kneecap or whatever. Uh, we had to like undo it and then redo it with a staple. And then even then it was like way too uncomfortable for our dog. So there's always some trial and error with that stuff. How much did they charge it? Man, I don't even remember. It was, uh, I forgot. Yeah, but it's worth it. I mean, our dog, we got, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. No, I've been just like kind of struggling with that. I just paid three grand for this thing. I did that, that Casey Fest thing that John helped right. me out, you know, promoting and stuff like that. I want to get raising two grand online for that, which is good. But awesome. expensive. Yeah. Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's expensive for sure. Um, but yeah, man, they're, they're our babies, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, we do whatever we can for our dogs as well. Uh, yeah. and just a side note, uh, kind of cool. I saw a while back that you did get to, uh, run an event with Gary Clark Jr. Uh, he's he's a I'll vouch. He's I didn't a, run that. They just hired oh, me to okay. play. We, we were on oh, tour dude. and Live Nation called us. We were supposed to play in Orlando that night, and then I got a call a couple days before from the lady of Live Nation. She's like, "What are you doing Saturday?" I'm like, "Fuck." I mean, I knew I wanted to open up for Gary Clark Jr. I know what it was for. Right. But we're on the road, so I had to contact the. You know, we were touring with another band, the Melody Trucks band. She's the daughter of Butch Truck from the Almond Brothers. And um, they understood too. They're like, "Go play with Gary." And it was the first. It was the first day of his tour, so we got to the Fillmore. I've always wanted to play. We played in the front room before, like before George Clinton and people like that. But when she told me about that, I'm like, "The big stage or the little asshole stage?" She's like, "No, the main stage." So, I'm like, we got to do it. So, Man, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I I got hip to Gary Clark, so I moved to Austin way back for school. Um, okay. I moved to Austin when I think he was about 18 years old. And there used right. to be this, like a local uh, music video channel that would just run like either live DIY videos or like old, you know, live performances on crappy VHS. And there used to be these videos of him as like a 16, 17 year old playing blues with these like 60, 70 year old men there in Austin. And he's just killing them and he's just freestyling. And I just yeah. blew my mind. Like being new to Austin, having no background, and just seeing how advanced this guy was at such an early age, you just knew. Well, he he just did kind of like he he does kind of like what I he he took it to another level. He's not just up out there playing, you know. My you know my baby got on the train and you know right. I'm sad. I don't know nobody rides trains anymore. You know he's modernized it, made it topical, which is the music should evolve, which is 
what I've been trying to do. We won't. We don't play blues clubs for that reason. Traditional gotcha. blues clubs. Because like, we don't Chicago. I knew that tune. So um, yeah, Gary did that. He's definitely a pioneer for that. Man, yeah. he's a really, uh, really grounded individual. Um, we kind you of don't even know. So nice. Oh, you get the, yeah. You got to meet. No. Oh. Yeah, I know. Um, so Austin is. It's a growing city, but it's a bunch of small circles that wind up intersecting a million times. And so if you're there long enough, your circle of friends is going to intersect with everybody. And uh, we wound up running, at, running, running into each other at a few parties, and the dude was so down to earth, so easy to yeah. approach, no ego about him, nope. chill as can be. Um, tall as fuck. Yeah, tall as can be, um, and just generous yeah. and nice and, you know, not yeah. annoyed by, you know, you giving him any props or anything like that. Just... It's cool to see people like that, you know, get their yeah, you know, It makes you like them more. Makes you want Absolutely. to them more. I've both musicians, big national acts that I've been fans of. And if they're dicks, I just kind of stop listening. Yep. Yeah, there was an, a DJ I used to hold in high regard that I wound up seeing. And dude didn't really uh, respect the space. And uh, it's really, like, soured my relationship with, like, the body of work since then, you know? Yeah. You can't, but, uh, you know? Yeah. It's like a girl. It doesn't matter if she's hot or she's a bitch. Then... Why? Yeah, how much are you willing to get burned, right? Or yeah. take or listen to. Yeah, exactly. Cool, man. Thanks. Yeah, man. Yeah, I have another one. Uh, I was just thinking about this. Like, since you're in a band, uh, and now, like, when you book bands, do you find that that's an advantage to you? Because I, I can understand that, like, if I'm going somewhere and the promoter has been in a band, has done that lifestyle, that I feel like you can cater to them and like you understand like, hey, like I just got off like a 12 hour drive and kind of. Um, no, absolutely. Like beyond that's really helped my cred with the band. They know I play. Uh, I can, in a sense, I can do my job better and kind of get them for cheaper in a way. And there's always a tug and pull. Like a lot of clubs accuse me of being on the band's side. I'm like, no, you have to make them feel good. You have to make them feel special to get the most out of them. Um, I read a long time ago a book about the famous promoter Bill Graham, and he used to do stuff like for Janis Joplin when she would come in when she was getting famous, he would have her dressing room painted a certain shade of pink that she particularly liked just for that night, and then he would change it back afterwards just to make her feel special, and and that was the that's kind of the approach I've always taken with the bands and because they know I'm kind of on their side, I look out for them, I make sure they have the right towels on bar towels that's a big deal for bands little things make a big huge difference and so a lot of these bands like they came and played you know, i mean they did it on the cheap to be a part of it like uh one of the bands the magic city hippies they they've blown up they're huge and um they you know i've known them for a while and they did it despite the fact that their their big ass agent was pissed off he's like he's like ari gold from 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 uh Oh my God, he just dropped so many F-bombs on the phone with me and hated me. But then he wound up, the band wanted to do it and they wound up playing right when they were kind of getting big. So uh, yeah, my relationship with them is, is, is key. That's why I've been able to kind of do what I can. But now with the, with the, uh, with the Rona, uh, I'm realizing that everything I do is congregation based, either you know, measured on how many people you can get together, whether it's in a band or putting on an event. So everything's changed. I don't know what's going to happen. You mentioned, you mentioned, I might be wrong here, Bill Graham. Didn't he die tragically? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I believe it was a, believe it was a helicopter accident. Yeah. That's what I yeah. thought. Okay. Yeah. 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 He was, he was the guy. Yeah. He started to film more in, uh, in San Francisco, like right at the right time, you know, and all my brothers there. Santana was 15 year old kid. He used to sneak in and uh, yeah, he was there at the right time. He treated everybody really well. So, Eric, how are the uh, the peacocks that you were feeding during the peacock the... situation? Yeah, yeah. Right now, I'm I'm favoring one particular peacock named Chuck. Nice. He's got a really he's a male. He's got he's got a bad not hand. I guess one of his feet are curled up and back. So, and I feed them meow mix. They like they tend to like meow mix. It's protein. It's cheap. So there's so many in the neighborhood. Like I've had. Some of them lay eggs, and then the mothers abandon them, and I eat the peacock eggs. And so I'm, I'm down with the whole peacock people, uh, for sure. Uh, and, and they drop they drop their uh, – they drop these are fresh over here. Chuck dropped these for me, man. He's like – I feed him, and he, he gives me his feathers because it's, it's, it's the season right now. 
Oh, that's so they, amazing. Wow. Yeah. They, he drops them right in my, in my front when I feed him. He, uh, it's getting too hot. Mating season's over. So now I got feathers for days. That's incredible. Yeah. I, yeah, uh, I, I have a peacock. There's a peacock in my neighborhood and it's kind of really cool because my daughter loves it. But like at like six in the morning, you hear that. Ah, ah, yeah, ah. Yeah. And then they go. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, where are you wow. at, Bruce? Uh, it's in Georgia. Like it's it's really random. Like in the suburbs of Decatur in Georgia, and there's a peacock. It's just like down the street, you know. And it's I thought really it was cool. a warm weather animal. Are you in like South Georgia or something? Yeah, I mean I'm just outside Atlanta. Oh, okay. Hmm. It's it's the talk of the neighborhood. <laughs> well, yeah, Eric. I I tried to befriend some crows, and they were my friends for about a month when I was feeding them some fancy food and then i was like okay i'm done paying for this they moved nah, my neighbor's yamics. yamics they love it it's protein actually chuck doesn't like there's one flavor that he doesn't like he leaves like the one i think it's the fish flavor because it's shaped like a fish but you would think it would be like the bird one you know i think the, the chicken you think he would stay away from but he doesn't like the fish he's getting he's getting a little snotty so yeah funny the things covid made us do <laughs> totally Eric probably knows this, but um, Eric Garcia, that is. Um, but peacocks fly. I, I had no idea till all of a sudden I see one up in, I mean, a tree that's probably 35 feet tall. I'm like, how, how do you get there? And yeah, that's um, somebody yeah, more knowledgeable than me said, oh, they fly up there. I said, they're not good at it, but yeah, they're, they, they go. It's like a really large jump, right? Like they kind of jump and they just kind of flutter. Yeah. Just, uh, just they just jump enough to get onto the roof. They're like pretty turkeys. I mean, what, what do they call them in Spanish? Bobble Royale, right? Royal, royal, royal turkeys. So yeah, they can fly so, short distances. Yeah, I'm yeah. no Ron McGill. Down here in uh, South Texas, we have uh, what's called the chachalaca, and it's Check like it a. It, yeah, I know. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> it's. It's kind of it's it it looks like a turkey, but it's more in the like pheasant family, and uh, it doesn't have the big huge tails like a peacock necessarily, any of the decor or anything like that. And it's not the size of a peacock, um, but they do a similar. They're ground birds, but they kind of do this jump, fly. They'll be about you know the height of houses, treetops. They'll roost yeah. in treetops too, uh, but they're loud. If you get two of them together. It sounds legit, like somebody's got an accordion down the street, like on an amplifier. <laughs> it's it's pretty interesting, but uh, kind of notorious to South Texas for sure. Especially in mating season, that's when they get loud. Man, seriously. Hey, Renee, you're you're a bird watcher, right? Or what, what's the proper term? Yeah, bir- yeah, birder, bird watcher, uh, whatever. Yeah, birdie. Yeah, I'm a nerd, whatever. Birdie, <laughs> birdie, well, you can go with that as well. Bird yeah, I will no longer bird make fun of bird watching. That that's some fun stuff, man. Man, so my my brain is so damn busy. Um, it's one of the few things that really like centers everything and like gets me out of myself. So I have to, I have to like make it regular trips to do that stuff. And then it's just cool to like learn how to do some photography with it and all that too. So totally. Any recommendation on bird feeder types? Man, okay, so man, you want to get into that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, I, yeah. So, okay. Bird feeder types depend on the food. Different birds like different types of food. You're going to have food that's really small and tiny. For those feeders, you need like the nets um, or you need like little perches like made for finches and sparrows and stuff like that. Um, you got to be careful because doves are just going to devour everything. Um, the other problem. Yeah. Oh man, man, they're smart. They're resourceful, but yeah, they're just, they're just jerks. But, um, Without getting too deep in it, uh, the one thing to worry about is disease. Whatever mm. bird feeder you have, you need to wash it regularly. Um, birds, birds can bring disease to a feeder. They can take it with them. Birds can get, you know, mites. They can get all kinds of problems in their skin and feathers. And yeah, so um, get it. Pick the food for the birds in your area. Pick the feeder for the type of food, and then wash that. I'll be in touch. Yeah. Yeah, man. All day. I'm here. I I don't know if it's been covered or not. I'm uh, I'm kind of like in and out at work here tonight. So I don't know if you already mentioned it, but what is the day of at Moss like for you? Yeah, I was uh, mentioning that to you. That is, especially after that fucking second one went sideways. Um, uh, it's, 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 it's nerve wracking for sure. And I just had my, uh, 
my, my, there's a guy, the, I brought in some help for the last one, a guy named Carmelo Fear. He was the guy that used to own the Vagabond. He helped out a lot with that one. But it's, it's kind of crazy, but, but you have to remember, like, if you do all the work before, because shit's going to go wrong, there's going to be problems. And if you handle all the problems that you can handle before, that makes it a lot easier. So you can deal with those problems instead of dealing with old shit you should have dealt with. And then, then you, you, you're going to be, you're going to be in quicksand. So yeah, if you handle all your shit before you have everybody doing what they're supposed to do. I mean, there's, there's different things you have to let everybody know, like, you know, especially, you know, with like Dan and like fucking Stu, keep, you have to get them, you know, you know, everybody wants to meet the guys and, you know, they don't care. The bands are nice that everybody wants to meet their favorite guy from the show, you know? And, uh, you have to kind of, uh, organize those one sets like that's how i i had that room cleared at, at revolution uh i had to get dan the fuck out of there to go pose with poppy in the in the in the main room to draw some of those people out because renee you were playing dominoes you saw how it was that was nuts in there you know you couldn't even move and 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 bands are playing nobody wanted to listen so dan kind of drew them out and um just making sure everybody is where they're supposed to be at the right time and starts at the right time and like Mike Ryan, he only wanted to DJ at a certain time, so I had to cater to him. And, um, oh, yeah, I got to clear the air about Juju Gotti. Um, so uh, I'm listening to the show as everybody does the Moss recap. And Mike's like, yeah, one thing, though, that, you know, the Moss guy really has to, you know, do better is he has to let everybody know where to be. Because, like, Juju Gotti just kind of didn't know what to do. He showed up and. He just set up, you know, he had that tattoo booth at the last one. And uh, he, uh, he had a long line of people he was tattooing. And he was there for like three, four hours. And everyone's like, hats off to Juju for, for, for doing that. And, um, and he's like, yeah, uh, Juju didn't know what to do. But he was a trooper. He got there and he powered through. And I'm like, uh, uh, he said, he asked Juju, you know, did anybody tell you where to be? He said, nah, I just tried to set up and did it. Man, I got on my text. I read to John earlier. Exactly. Start at six, go to seven thirty, and at seven thirty it's Mike Ryan's set because Mike was mad that Juju missed his set, and you're done at seven thirty. So I go, got it. He's all great, sounds good. So for me to hear on the radio, it was funny. I don't really care, but that uh, I didn't do my job. I was like, oh my god, I told him where to be. Why did Juju throw me under the bus like that? He told me, he told me but he wanted to stay out there in tattoo, so he stayed out there. But for the record. He was told where to be and uh, exactly when Mike's set was going to be. So, air cleared. Duly noted. <laughs> so, I've got a question, and I'm I'm a little late to the party, so if you answered it, Eric, then by all means, just say that I'll hear it in the pod. But uh, I hope to be at one of these Moss events in the future, mm-hmm. and which, I just have always wondered which guy outside of, the, like, just in his own domain is the hardest to wrangle in okay like, who's, who's giving you the most trouble do that um i remember at at the one at winwood yard i had set up there's a shipping container in the back i had set up the the step and repeat and the shipping container in the back and there's a whole flow to everything and Stu, he just gets just the fact that he showed up was a big deal and you know, whenever he shows up, it's a big deal. I remember I, I went to his wedding and, and uh, Dan's wedding. When he showed up, it was huge. And he kind of started meeting people. And he was outside of the sh- – I had the whole shipping container set up for a line with a, with a second repeat in the background. And uh, everybody was around him. Everybody was around him. I'm like, dude, you know, I got to get you in there. He's like, what am, what am I jamming you up? And I'm like, yeah, kind of. And then everybody was looking at him because they didn't want to lose too. And he's like – Fuck it, I'm going to stay here with them. Everyone's like, ah, stay here. And uh, I couldn't do anything at that point. I already started cheering. And, uh, yeah, he's, as you know, Stu's going to be still. He's a loose cannon. So, I mean, just even knowing if he's going to show up. So it's hard to plan <laughs> for somebody that you don't know if he's going to show up at all, you know. Was there a lacrosse game at Saturday on a Saturday night? So, you know. Would you classify Stugatz as a diva? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's got his own brand of diva, for sure. He's, he's definitely not a Beyonce vibe diva, but he's got his own brand of, of divahood, for sure. 
Even Chris Cody sure. described him as that. Whenever they uh, went up to Bristol, I guess Chris was kind of his handler, and he did not. Chris is the easiest one to deal with of anybody. He's cool as shit. He's just telling me where to be. And uh, he was the one I gave him the idea to do those shirts for his dad uh, at the Winwood Yard one. And he should have made a lot more. I didn't even realize. He set that up, and there was a line across the entire venue of people who wanted those shirts. So he saved me one, which is cool. But uh, Chris is the easiest. And then Roy and his wife handle the art. Um, I would really like to get Billy uh, more involved. But he kind of, you know, he likes to, 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 to be kind of in the background a lot, it seems. Uh, but in the future, as this has developed, I have a lot of really good ideas at the, at the, at the next mosque, especially if it's outdoor in the Grove, which I'd like, because the Grove would really benefit from that because they just redid Cocoa Walk and all that, and they need commerce. And I think the shot in the arm would be to show a mosque in the streets of, of in the middle of the Grove, like right in front of where uh, I guess it's a sandbar now, uh, would be perfect. But I was going to give everybody their own booth to do whatever they wanted and then maybe compete against each other in certain things. But as this develops, each person in the show should really have kind of their own stamp on it because it's getting bigger and bigger. And I just need bigger and more room because I can pretty much sell out anything I want. I mean, there's never not been a sellout. So definitely. The Grove would be perfect. The Grove would be perfect, but you got to count on the rain. But other than that, a nice mid-December in the Grove is a safe bet. Back to Stu real quick. Who's uh, more of a diva, Stu or uh, Poppy? Stu. Poppy's, Poppy's cool. Poppy shows up when he wants to show up. And, but they, but he, as long as he likes to be told, though, this is going to happen at this time. You be there. You know? And he just and Dan's priority is making sure Poppy and his mom, Lourdes, are taken care of and they're cool. I always make sure that they have whatever they want. So... Poppy doesn't give me any shit. Actually, I had to sneak Poppy out of the one in Fort Lauderdale because he was getting he was getting tired and he was overwhelmed and he wanted to leave. So I had to bring him backstage and wait for the car to come around and wait for him and get him out of there. But uh, he was cool. He's never bitched about anything. Poppy's 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 down for sure. Nice, nice. Eric, without now, betraying any any confidences, uh, you have a like you know maybe your best story or um, something that you can share. Well, you know, DLS related. Let me think about that. Let me think All right. Going. There's some things I, I don't know if I should be able to talk about. So let me then don't marinate. Out. Yeah. If I probably, it's probably better if I don't, if I have to think about it, but um, the process, the process has always been cool. And, and uh, you guys, you really have angel on there. He, he'll have some really good input and stories too. He's worked with Dan for a while. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go to that one. Yeah, Angel, Angel's the god. Um, I got a cool story just to link Eric and uh, when Guillermo Maca, when we went down uh, for Moss 2, um, we went down not knowing Eric at all. Um, we had no idea he was connected to the show. We fly in. We just happened to go check out the site in Fort Lauderdale just to see what the site was going to be like. It was about lunchtime. Let's get some food around the venue. Um, let's get some coffee. And uh, turns out Eric and staff was there kind of pre-gaming and I just kind of eavesdropped. I was like, oh, this guy's with the event. I had to slip him some Guillermo yeah, Mocha stickers. Nice, give me a nice stack of, stack of <laughs> stickers. Yeah, yeah. I got yeah, a bunch we, on, my, on my instruments and shit. Awesome. We had to do some reconnaissance. It was a perfect little like uh, link, link into the whole scene. That's why, I was just meeting, that's why I was meeting with the staff, not Dan and everybody, right? We, we do a drink tasting. We have their, we, we have their bartender like come up with the cocktails and usually Dan and Val and them show up and taste which ones they like the best. So it could be the signature cocktails of the, of the event. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah. This was uh before they had got there. This was a little early yeah, yeah. in the day, but it was yeah, a real this, coincidence. You got to coach up a lot of these people, you know, don't listen to the show and you got to kind of coach them up on, it's not a normal event and it's going to be full, but you have to have priorities for certain people and certain people need to be taken care of. And if Dan right. wants some tequila, Dan's going to get some tequila, get him some fucking tequila sign somebody to him you know especially when it's his birthday the last two or his birthday you know we even uh we tried because we were there a little too early and uh, i don't think your staff or i don't think the staff had been like hip to game on this show we already had some shirts in hand and we were trying to hook up the bartenders or the baristas and we were like hey y'all listen to the show and they're like what show like yeah <laughs> and we we're yeah, like hey they, you want 
you want a shirt? They're like, sure. Can you wear it tonight? Maybe. <laughs> they, I'll tell you what, though. No idea. Bruce, yeah. Bruce, I was, I was telling John earlier when I, I got to the Winwood Yard for that one at like 11 30, 12, like noon. And there's a couple dudes at the bar with two, two guys' army shirts on. And they're getting drunk. They're having beers already. And I'm like, where are you guys from? They're like, Colorado. We're here for the event. I'm like, no way. And uh, <laughs> we hung out, took pictures, and drank some beers and stuff. And they're all about it, man. But if, I, if they didn't have those shirts on, I wouldn't know who they were. Were they like the olive shirts with like a, a black like flamethrower on it? Probably. I got a picture with them. I think so. A couple of white dudes. I don't know. I mean, because I made. I made those shirts randomly before uh, the, they started actually selling Stuart's Army stuff because I was just was like, hey, I should start selling some random merch because I was new to the show. And I didn't realize that they weren't allowed to sell merch. I was like, how is no one selling merch for these guys? So yeah, I, right? started, I started StuGotsArmy.com and I try to do uh, – I make shirts based on things that I find funny of the show. So I have like a You Good shirt. And um, I have a I have a Tom shirt. Um, it's got Tim Kirchin's face on it, but it says Tom underneath it. <laughs> I, um, I have a, a Who That Is shirt, and it's got Wayne, uh, a pixelated picture of um, Wade Jones on it. So, Wade uh, Jones. Yep. So I, I I I base all my shirts on things that I find really funny. <laughs> That's really cool because I, I I it was kind of really random. But I think I have a picture from someone that like. I have Dan, Mike, with this random guy wearing a Stugatz Army shirt, like a with the flamethrower on it that I made a long, long time ago. They look like brand new shirts, and yeah, it might have just it might have just happened because I think it was in I think I started like at the end of 2016, 2017 is when I started. That's right around then. Yeah, yeah. that's right around then. Like two, three years ago. Who knows? Time flies, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're sporting those. And I was like, you guys. I made sure they got some free drinks. Nice. Sure. <laughs> and they made it through the night. I was like, these guys are never going to last. They're fucking hammered at noon. And they were, <laughs> I saw them at like midnight. Like, what's up, bro? Fucking guys. You guys are all about it. It was pretty cool. If you find that picture, can you send it to me or send it to us? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I was right. thinking about looking now, but it'll take too long. It's really damn I'll have to look because I think I have, I think I have one of them. I think I have the, yeah. I could probably just go back to my Facebook timeline and find it. I remember posting it right before the show. Yeah. I totally remember. Uh, I, I remember seeing like on social media, a couple guys early. Um, I'm not These sure. Venues, about- that, that, that's what it was. I, I posted them up. I mean, people don't realize how rabid, like the venues are like, what the fuck? They don't really realize how rabid these fans are going to be. I mean, what's going on? Who's this guy? What's up, Eric? Hey. Hey, um, did you uh, put together the, the one at Wynwood, uh, the yard? Yeah. I definitely saw you there. I'm from Boston. <laughs> What's up, man? Sorry, I came late. I, I, I saw um, Eric's Zoom chat like really late. Yeah, I was running around all stressed out. That's what you saw, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm fishing, actually, on the Charles River. Oh, you um, are? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember seeing you. I, uh, I backdoored it into the... Um, domino tournament like last <laughs> okay. minute yeah we had <laughs> and, no and, show fucking ricky williams was supposed to show up he got there late there was a bunch of extra extra seats yeah yeah I, well I, I sent um an email like last minute uh because because i realized that it was coming up and i was just like uh, i looked online and i sent an email and yeah at first it, i think it was uh all full but then i got a call at my work from allison and it was the coolest oh, thing ever. Yeah, those Tom, gold, man. Those Tom shirts, though, I, I remember I have a picture of two kids wearing wearing a Kirchin shirt, and I think it was a Stugat Army shirt, too. Nice. Hey, you send it to me because it's always fun to see that stuff. It's still – Steak has the best one because it's him and next to Tim Kirchin wearing his shirt. It's such a great picture. <laughs> I'll yeah, that's a moment of my life. Yeah. I really wanted – he wanted Tim at the last at the last one, and at the last minute he wasn't able to go. But, the, the, uh, be- the best one I have of Tom is uh, I sent one. You guys know you uh, you know Anna and Burke Eric. Yeah. So I when he was she's doing Monday Night Baseball uh, back before when he was with ESPN, I sent him a Tom shirt 
and um, he unveiled it to Tim sitting next to him on like Monday night baseball. And so I have this picture of like, I have this picture of Adnan like grinning and laughing his ass off next to him, his Tim Kirchin just kind of looking at it. And like, and you know, in Tim's head, it's like, what is this? Like, you know, he's so like, why is there a shirt with my face on it? But it says Tom underneath and it's just hilarious. And so I, I followed you on Instagram. If I can, if you, I, it's my profile pic. If you, uh, if Stu got Sarn 790 pops up, but, but it, it, I think actually one of the gear off guys, it was, I think Renee or someone, uh, they sent me this. I was just like, ran, I, I didn't know it. And I got this picture and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. That's yeah, awesome. Bruce, Bruce, if you check the Twitter um, chat, I, I posted two of them. Posted one had the, to- the Tom, generic Tom t-shirt, and the other one was Murray. 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 <laughs> it, was that the one with uh, uh, the uh, the Gulligan picture on it? With uh, was Stu with us on it? It's Stu Gatz in like a tucked in polo, like looking haggard. Yep. I have one I more think- question for Eric, if he, if he has time. Oh. Um, do you help out with the um, Levitide Brothers um, yeah. site? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm the I just Levitide Brothers Twitter. Yeah. Oh, wow. oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, that that's that's who ended up setting me up. It was I can't remember what it was, two or three years ago. I always forget which master it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember I got a lot of a lot, a lot of last minute. There was a lot of dropouts on that, and then I think Allison might have hit me up about you for that one. So. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, yeah, I handle that. I don't know what to put right now. I mean, there's really nothing going on. I I, I got to keep it alive. But I'm thinking about changing the the Levitar Brothers Instagram just to mock Miami, and then just starting to be more active with the posts as far as shit that it's almost like lifestyle Miami shit that happens in Miami and show related and not show related, just to keep the branding going because it's, it's such a great thing and it can really develop into something a lot bigger than it is. I haven't had the room yet. And to be honest, um, I, I'm not the one thing I'm not really good at is, is uh, acquiring sponsors. So if we could maybe put our heads together a little bit for the next mosque. I mean, I mean, what's more sponsor worthy than something like this, especially branding wise for Miami, to you know kind of work together to build this thing. And there should be big sponsors for this stuff because I mean, all the eyes and the attention are just laid out for everybody there, you know. And then I can go really big and I can get bigger artists and stuff like that. And Dan doesn't have to go out of pocket because, you know, Dan pays for everything. You know, he's paying for his own parties, you know. And, um, and, and I, I just, you know, he's been, he's been really good to me. And I really appreciate him for, you know, he could have went with a company, which they originally wanted to do, go with like a, a big production company. And he went local and small with some dude like me that was struggling. And, uh, it's really been a gift. You know, I'm really, really appreciative to him. He's a better guy than people think. That's one thing I want to say. Uh, Eric. Yeah. For, for the Levitad Brothers thing, uh, could you post the, um, like, like retweet or repost stuff from uh, Lebo? Because I know he's doing a thing with uh, Ariel, and he has other stuff, like, for his, his website and everything. Do, yeah, do you do he- that, too? Levo's really, really uh, protective and cautious of his branding. Yeah. And he has a team of people around that. So I pretty much, he tries to stay separate from the whole thing. I mean, he could have been, he was involved a little bit at first, but he's really laid back. I mean, he didn't even go to, to two of them. He showed up at the last, he went to the first one and the last one. And, yeah, I didn't uh, see him. Yeah, he was super, uh, but I mean, he showed up at the last one. He was just like, dude, you know. Especially from him, because I mean that dude is a fucking assassin, and business-wise, and for him to show up and 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 give me props, props, even though he's my friend, he wouldn't have he wouldn't have said that otherwise. But uh, I, I would have to talk to him about that because he's super protective. Yeah, I, I understand what you mean. Like, and just him doing all the artwork is basically enough. And like, because I've gotten stuff from him, um, and like my background is actually one of the. I bought that piece from, um, from Carlos. Carlos, yeah, yeah, yeah. Carlos Solano. Yeah, yeah that that was awesome. And, and but I understand what you mean. Uh, yeah, he's on he's on cruise ships. <laughs> yeah, on an actual cruise ship. And, uh, yeah, he's he's been 
Yeah, you, you guys follow him on Facebook. His his live little shows are pretty cool that he does with Brenna, and uh, he paints shit, and people people talk about what they want to do, and he just paints what people want on there. So yeah, he's cool like that. But as far as his branding and his website and all that other stuff, I I generally stay away from that stuff. It's it's a very touchy uh, little mind little ecosystem that they have, and they're very protective of each of each other. Uh, rightfully so. So that's why, like, I have to be very careful with, like, you know, answering questions about, you know, some shit that went, you know, certain ways. Um, but uh, right, to piggyback on Lebo, there, he knows nothing about sports, um, and I don't even know. Do you know anything about sports? Oh yeah. yeah okay. So okay. Big, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Um, Hurricanes, uh, Dolphins. Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay. a big fan. Not, not as much as I used to be. But uh, I'm definitely, definitely a sports guy. So, for sure, for sure. That's why I was like, I was stoked to meet. It's like the people that I get to meet through this, I never would have normally met. You know, like dealing, you know, Dan gives me all these people's numbers and make sure, you know, here's Marty Smith's number. Make sure he's there and taken care of, you know. Here's Mina's number. Here's all these people's number. It's been really a cool thing. It's been really a blessing for me to be involved in dealing with these people that, you know, I had to talk to Tim Kirchin about you know being at the at the last one and communicate with him so uh you know trying to get ricky williams into the damn thing dealing with masvidal i did like make sure his handlers got him in there properly and then he wanted to split and i'm like why are you leaving he's like dude there's no fucking chicks here dude i'm out of here <laughs> <laughs> i i don't know if you guys know who james tony is um but james like not tony he was supposed to fight an exhibition and uh, at the place I was boxing at, and for kids, there was like 200 kids that were showing up. And the guy that owned the gym that I worked at was like, Eric, the guy that's supposed to fight James backed out. Will you spar with James? Like, yeah, he's like my favorite fighter. I grew up watching him with my dad. Got to meet him, and uh, he was cool as shit. Like, uh, after the fight, I, we got a picture together. Cause, cause, uh, he's like, you did good with your quicker last. I did just to you. And then shortly after that, I moved to Miami, and then he had to fight Holyfield. And I bet, like, all the money I had on him as an underdog, and he whooped Holyfield's ass, and I made some good money. And it was all the better because I knew him. He punched me hard. And, uh, like, he was cool. He could have taken me out. But, like, you know when you're, like, a, in a big car and, uh, like, an old Cadillac and somebody slams the door and that pressure? Boom. That's what it felt like when James Tony hits you in the fucking head. And uh, but I made that money, so hey. Undercard for uh, damn it. Undercard for uh, Dan's fight. I need to see John and Eric boxing. John, <laughs> did, John, didn't you no. box? No, 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 I didn't. I mean, I, uh, I just did it recreational, like oh, uh, okay. for fitness and things. In fact, I have one in uh, that's a Muay Thai because I did a, l- a little bit of um, uh, Jeet Kune Do uh, way, way long time ago, but um. So I got like a Muay Thai bag in the back here. Um, okay. I, but I'll have to talk to Eric offline about, about <laughs> boxing because um, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't mind, you know, uh, I, my kid likes to hit the bag. So I wouldn't mind when, when the Rona's all said and done, maybe, maybe, um, maybe well, get some I, did, I did an event on, on that, on that path. I did an event a long time ago at the back of the road in the parking lot called knock and roll. And I had uh, a boxing ring set up in front of the stage and I had a national act, a guy named, uh, Zach deputy play and I had boxing and so we had boxing matches and then there'll be a boxing match and a band would play boxing match band would play that wouldn't be the shittiest thing in the world for the next month to have some boxing or even some MMA at the actual event I know insurance wise it's a huge pain in the ass but that would be awesome and if we have some people from the show maybe maybe Chris you know sneaky good athlete maybe Chris wants to go with somebody Maybe the fan um, that Chris and I are going to box. That has to happen. He's challenged oh. me. All right. Well, why don't you save it for the next mock? There you go. Yeah. Eric, I was going to ask, since we probably won't have one this uh, year, can we have two next year? Yes. Yes. That's Dan, but shit, I'll do five. But uh, no, actually, we, that would kill me. Well, I was can thinking we one as soon as, like, the vaccines are out would, like, be a hit, I, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm ready to go. Uh, I got ideas for days, and yeah, yeah, I would I would like to do two to make up for it for sure. But it's a lot of work, and I I would need at least four months to do 
another one proper. Especially, you know, like I said, you got to get sponsors for the next ones, you know? So, I mean, I could, I could, uh, uh, Angel helped putting together a, a deck for it already. So there's a deck that Angel made. So if we start talking to each other, you know, on Twitter or whatever, when things start opening up, and we can kind of put our heads together for it and use the people that love the show that are active to help me out. Because, like I said, I'm on an island on this thing. So, so I'll put everything together and I'll organize and I'll get the best talent possible considering, you know, the budget. You know, I try not to kill. I, I, you know, Dan's always super impressed with how I, I cut corners on costs for him all the time. Because I think he's used to people trying to take advantage of him, the fact that he has some money. So I make it as good as possible for him. So if all of us can team up and make it worthwhile, um, I think it would be a really cool group, uh, be a cool group uh, uh, event for sure. Eric, <laughs> Eric, for for yes, um, that mass uh, Dan's quinceanera, I, I brought him a high high dollar bottle of Don Julio for his birthday. Oh, you were the one. Yeah, yeah, in a plastic bag. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, that, like, that's the one. Three people gave him that, uh, gave him bottles. We all drank them backstage afterwards. While uh, <laughs> fucking Greg Cody was hammered as shit. He oh, yeah. He love for Dan. And I love you, Dan. And uh, that's so yeah, we, we housed all that Don Julio afterwards in that little side area, the little VIP area that we had. Uh, thank you for that. That's not cheap shit. But yeah, we were doing shots of that afterwards. And I, I don't. I generally I don't drink until the event is over. So that tasted really, really good. Thank you. That's awesome. Can we get a round two on that uh, Greg Cody shirt? Um, possibly. He, what, what, you you want a shirt? No, the round two of the. You, remember, he sold out. Like I think he only printed about a hundred or what have yeah, you. Yeah, hundred fifty. Yeah. I think we need like a round two on that if we can convince him. I think it has to be topical on the show to come out. I think maybe. I mean, if we can find Greg in another compromising position, that would be nice. But I mean, he, he really, he could have sold 500 easily that night. I mean, people really wanted one. He didn't actually give it to me till I think the wedding, his wife was the one that bothered me to, to, to him to give it to me. He forgot to give me one. And then I, I got it then, but that was like apparently the last one he even had other than his own according to him, but merch. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, and more moths, Specific merch would be kind of cool too, you know. We have that one shirt, the angel design that's cool. But I mean, Bruce, we can go rogue and and, and come up with a, you know, a bunch of different ones. We can even VIPs yeah, buy people that buy VIP tickets before the event can get sent VIP moth shirts before things like well, that. I, I do like. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Hats are kind of my thing. Yeah. Sorry, but even inside, see, this is one of my. This is a custom one that I've done oh, nice. for my company. Nice. So, I, I know I'm not I'm not Miami, but I'm Miami at heart because I I love this show. But um, I'm a small I just have a small shop in my backyard, and I do custom work for people when they want it. So I'm I'm in a good situation because my wife is a smart one, and she makes the money. So I kind of get to do the artistic. <laughs> I I'm in a good. I get to play. I still, you know, I still kind of more, you know, still still the dad, and I kind of take care of the the, the little one, but. I'll trade off taking care of the little one for having like that extra free time. And, uh, I can go, you know what I mean? I can go out, you could send me something. I could go out in the next hour and I can have like something, I can make a cool hat. And that's, that's what I like. It's fun. Um, and then when you do good work, people want to work with you more and more. And so that's, that's just like anything. I'll send you some stuff for you. You know, Eric, uh, on the merch, keeping the merch thing going, um, Shirts are kind of like the obvious pick, but they can be really tedious to manage sizes and estimate like your quantities yeah. and all that stuff. And they also take up a ton of space. Um, hats are great. One size fits all. You can do a lot of styles. You can pick a lot of different thread colors, but also think about like um, the little like uh, enamel pins. Those things take yep. up even less space than hats. Like a couple enamel pins, some stickers, and a hat. And you even have like a bundle package if you wanted to do some kind of promo Yeah, like package. I had juke shirts. I had juke shirts exactly. and I have like, I have a ton of um, medium. Apparently nobody thinks they're fucking medium. Everybody's large or small and I have a ton of medium. So it's really hard to, to do that. Where can we get that merch? Where can we uh, get some Uncle Scotchy merch or whatever? Any kind of merch you got going? Just, yeah, yeah. Just have people, if they just DM me on um, um, 
Uncle Scotchy on Twitter or uh, uh, Instagram, uh, Uncle Scotchy, or I'm on Facebook. It's not just search Uncle Scotchy. DM me. I still got a bunch of Uncle Scotchy shirts left, and uh, I could definitely use the money because I haven't worked in four months. So uh, that would be that would be really sweet. That would be really sweet. And um, I, I was telling John, I'm actually starting kind of a, high, a side hustle. Um, I'm dealing with a company that, that, that works with, uh, uh, they sell to the distributors of all like restaurant products, like uh, cups, napkins, hand sanitizers and stuff like that. And um, they actually sell the bleach to Clorox. So, you know, they're pretty big. So I can beat any price. So if anybody out there that's a fan of the show, has a restaurant or a bar that's getting ready to reopen or even to-go boxes and stuff like that, I can get them whatever they want for guaranteed for cheaper than anybody. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. reported three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.